This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. Thanking God for his will and his way. We're gathered here in worship. Thank God for each and every one of you. Amen. We thank God for Jesus. We're going to be continuing in our spiritual maturity series on this morning. Um, Coming from Old and New Testaments. Let's go to the prophetic book of Hosea, chapter 10, verse 12. I'm going to read to your hearing from the King James Version. Then we'll journey quickly over to Luke 18. Uh, we thank God for this word in Hosea 10:12. It says, Sow to yourselves in righteousness. Reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground. For it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. Now we go to Luke 18, 1. And he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. We thank God for his word and we're looking forward now by the leading of the Holy Spirit to bring this word of God, that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We must come to terms with the fact that a biblically approved life of prayer must not only become our earthly habit, but also our spiritual plow, if you will. I know us urban, suburban folks, may not use vernacular of the farmer, plow, amen. We think of a snow plow, maybe, because we're here in New York. We haven't seen many uh, snow plows so far this winter season. It's been unseasonably mild, perhaps due to global warming and such. But plow, in this sense, is a harrowing tool to dig into the earth, to break it up, make it soft so that seeds may be planted in. We need to think of it spiritually now. The Holy Spirit would like to use the spiritual plow that will cultivate our souls. Sometimes we're cemented in habits not becoming of the people of God. And God needs to come in and unfreeze, cause us now to have a newness of life and life in its brevity must be lived correctly. We want God to have his way. Amen. So we want the Holy Spirit to have his spiritual plow moving through our souls, cultivating our souls and the overall spirit of our local assembly here. So as as we get together, being worked on personally, first and foremost, and then coming together, we will work with one accord in the Holy Spirit the way the Holy Spirit would have it. The farming terminology and methodology of the scriptures can help us understand today's message, how to get more out of prayer and consecration. He wants to bring us through to an understanding of how to get more out of prayer and consecration. This message will present practical means of optimizing our success in achieving a God-given revival. 
for an excellent harvest of spiritual attributes. The Holy Ghost is trying to farm those fruit of the Spirit, which should be blossoming out of our life, and we should have much fruit. We serve a God of much, and he's looking for not, amen, a minute showing, but as the farmers would say of old, a bumper crop. More than enough, more than we expected, more than we could what, fathom or think. He could do it. So he wants to inhabit in us the planting which will germinate, the planting of goodness from God that will germinate and sprout and mature and bring forth fruit. The fruit of experience in our lives. The Holy Spirit is leading us to move towards or begin a new transition of spiritual and natural improvements as we prepare to go through a coming season of a modified Daniel fast and consecration for 21 days. And the dates he gave me are from sunrise on Sunday, March 19, to sunrise on Resurrection Sunday, April 9th, 21 days. You know, in that time, we don't want to just miss what we're used to eating when we want to eat it. But we want to, amen, mature in the process. We don't want to have that uh, testimony of that we kind of uh, forfeited our blessing and just missed some meals. My God. But we can experience the emergence from average to excellence. From mediocre to extraordinary, God can do it. Are you willing to submit yourself for him to bring you through? It will be a transition uh, based on the biblical sense of the transitive verb cultivate. Interesting word, cultivate. The prophetic inference here is that we have to undergo activities that will enable us to make changes for the better before it is said, quote unquote, too late. We don't want that. The American Heritage Dictionary renders the following definitions for the transitive verb cultivate. The first definition is to improve and prepare land as by plowing or fertilizing. For what purpose? For raising crops. Cultivate also means to till, till the ground, you know, with that harrowing tool. Uh, it could mean to loosen or dig soil around, right, growing plants that are already there. So you have to keep the soil loose so air can get in there. It also could mean to grow or tend a plant or crop. Could mean to promote the growth of a biological culture, and the church is more of a spiritual organism. So we could think of a spiritual organism, a culture based on that, and God's trying to promote growth there. It could mean to nurture, foster, you know, uh, to, to form, to refine, to make better, as in education, which the Holy Ghost is our teacher. Uh, and lastly, it could mean to seek the acquaintance or goodwill of others to make friends with, cultivate a relationship. God wants to cultivate his relationship with us and ours with him. 
Example, God cultivates souls. The word souls in this simple sentence is the direct object that completes the meaning of the verb cultivates. You know what cultivates is there for when you see the ending of the sentence. Cultivate what? Cultivate souls. And then it opens up a whole nother revelation of what the word is being used for and how it's being used. You see, this helps us to remember that we are cultivating for a desired end. We want our uh, fast uh, to mean something. We want heaven's best to come out of it. We don't want to begin it, go through it, and end it and say, oh, we missed this and that. Now I can eat this and this and that again. We want more than that. We have to rise from childishness unto spiritual adulthood. This is the what? Spiritual maturity series. Amen? There is a strategic process happening that will be uh, intensified during our consecration. You want to do it like marriage. Uh, however you go in marriage, it's going to intensify. You got to go into this consecration, into this fast with the right mentality, the right spirit, the right attitude. My God, our will must match God's, and then it will intensify. My God, you go in crabby and unhappy, grumpy, murmuring, complaining. It's going to intensify. My God, we don't want that. Here are the historical methods of cultivation so that the Lord can help us uh, tie in a parallel of comparison from natural to spiritual. There were historical methods of cultivating, and um, they do have a prophetic meaning. It is historically known that the ancient farmers of Hosea's day, the prophet Hosea, raised a, a, a great variety of crops, and some required special methods of cultivation. You don't cultivate every plant the same. They had to break up hard ground before they could plant. And um, once the ground was ready, all, gra all the ground is ready the same way. But one, when the plants start sprouting, you'll have more tender ones in one area, some that are a little more hardy in another area because the ones that are more hardy could take, you know, uh, more rough treatment than these more tender ones over here. You bring that rough cultivation from the hardy plants over to the more tender ones, the, the tender ones are going to be lost in the soils, and you won't have a, a harvest. You're going to obliterate and destroy them. So every plant has a specified treatments. Amen. So after the seasonal planting based on uh, precipitation and weather conducive for growth of seedlings, maintenance would usher in an expected harvest. There was a certain expectation. They knew about how much they would get. It was accepted as a strategic process that depended on what? God's grace. It is known that farmers seemingly have more faith than a whole a lot of other type of worker. Amen. They are depending on nature as it is. They are depending on the graces of God. Let's look at the plow right quick. We won't go too deep into it, but in biblical times, uh, a plow was nothing more than a, a forked stick with a pointed end, had handles also at the top that 
you could control where those uh, sticks would stick into the ground. Um, in the old days of the patriarchs, the farmers added a copper point to the plow. Uh, later, bronze improved on that. They were like, this is the latest plow. Y'all got the old wooden plow. We, we got the copper ones over here. And then the other town was saying, well, that's passe. Now we're using bronze, you know. <laughs> uh, see, later still, in the 10th century BC, the iron plow penetrated the soil to a depth of about 12 centimeters or five inches, if you will. Our prayers, think prophetically now, our prayers must have spiritual depth based on a right relationship with God and his will. Sometimes we don't want, you know, the Holy Spirit to go too deep. Uh, it's not that deep. I want to be able to, you know, preserve a little something, something for my, my, my unsaved mind. My unsaved mind is not finished yet. You know, please, please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet. People like saying that. That's their disclaimer for why they are, as dad would say, cutting the monkey. My God. But we are without excuse. God came. He revealed the truth. And even if we don't want to receive it, we still know that the truth is there. Amen. <laughs> and we have to submit, therefore, to God. Submit, therefore, to God. Then when we do that, we will be transformed correctly, right? And then the Holy Spirit comes into our life and we learn what God's will is, the vernacular, the definitions of God, and we move forward in our life that way. And then we are given the power to say no. No to the devil. That's what basic fighting is all about. Somebody said no. <laughs> and now there's a fight. My God, there's an argument. Uh, everybody said yes, except the one in the back back there. Who, bring him up here. What? Don't you know everybody has said yes? Uh, no, I'm, I beg to differ on that here. This one line three right here, I have to say no to that. Oh, then there's an argument. There's a fight. If you don't submit, my God, there's a fight. And uh, we're born to submit to the devil. But when we're born again unto the will of God, there's a fight. The devil's angry. He wants us back. He wants us back. He always has his campaign for reviving fleshly activity, reviving uh, secular thought, reviving an unsanctified way. He wants to revive that See, the devil has his revival. The devil has his, I would call him, devangelist. My God. God is trying to evangel, bring in uh, heaven's purpose. But the devil's trying to decrease that. Steal, kill, destroy, lie, murmur, complain. Make the diseased spirit come in and disease everybody else. That's how he works. He brings weeds into the garden. Sometimes the weeds look like the real thing because the weeds can mimic and look like the real thing. And they work themselves right on in there. One time I opened a can of veggies and there was a weird looking part. And I'm glad I went through there with a, you know, just to kind of see what was up in there. It seemed like the Holy Ghost was prompting me to do that. So I had the attentiveness of a good farmer. I said, no, this one don't look right. Reminds me of the time when I'm a little kid waiting in the doctor's waiting room and they had the highlights magazine and one of the pages said, look at this page, something does not belong. Remember those? And I was good at them. I said, oh, there it is right there. 
And I was able to say, you know what, this don't belong in the can. This is what the Holy Ghost does to our life. That doesn't belong. Now, this is none other than the house of God. It is God's temple. The Holy Ghost came. He needs certain amenities. It's his temple. Your body is the what? The temple of the Holy Ghost. We got to let the Holy Ghost come in. Let the Holy Ghost have his way. It's easy to have your hands up and crying and swooning with the song. And your soul is getting swooned. But what about your spirit and your mind? Your, th your thinking. There's no emotion in the thinking. Thinking can cause emotion, though. I'm just talking about flat-out thinking. You can be quite coy and quite tacit without emotion uh, when you're just thinking. Uh, but, but God is saying, yes, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He didn't say, let this emotion be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. We see a few scriptures where he cried. But then, amen, that was the dawning of the great campaign of somebody raising from the dead or getting healed. Amen. Thank God him coming in and starting the Passion Week. My God, something great came of his crying. He didn't just stay the way he was. He made things change. Make sure when we're crying in church that there's a change happening. It, it, it's a holy kind of weeping. Amen. God needs holy weeping in his house so that later on there won't be a separation. The, 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 the wheat from the tear, the, the goat from the sheep, and the goats placing out of darkness, and the tares wrapped together and placing out of darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We don't need that. That's the wrong weeping. I want to weep while the weeping's good in the holy hill of the Lord. Because God has brought uh, for us to have a red flag in our spirit when something's, uh, let me see, wrong. And then we get this, amen, thought in our life that God is holy. He's clean. And we look at ourselves in the biblical mirror and we say, mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? And the Bible's like, you are toe up from the floor. You about to make God throw up. Amen. And then we get on our knees at the altar and say, clean me, Lord, clean my hands. Hey, not just my feet, but my head and my hands. My God, clean the whole thing, Lord. I want to be right. The Holy Ghost comes to have his amenities in his temple. We don't argue with the Holy Ghost, but sometimes we do. No, I don't take all that. It's really talking to the Holy Ghost. Remember, our real reality is the spiritual world. We might be talking to people who are preaching, as we might call it, quote-unquote, a strict gospel, a strict theology. Or oh, you're from that strict church. That's what one parent said on the field trip. We were riding back and passing this building, that building. And we saw churches, too. And one little kid said, oh, I go to church, this and that and other thing. And then, uh, then uh, some of them said, Mr. Jackson, you go to church, too, don't you? I said, yes, I do. And then uh, I said, Christian church. And then um, the parents said, oh, you go to that strict church. I said, well, you might call it strict, but we're strictly adhering to the word of God. That's the strict. <laughs> Amen. Yes, I'm strict. If you're going to call me that, I'm strictly adhering to the word and will of God. And then she didn't have anything to say after that. Amen. My God, my God. You have to know where you stand. Don't let people tear down your faith. Amen. Don't let your good be what evil spoken of. God will give you some Holy Ghost zingers. Yes, he will. 
God is calling for us to improve. He's pruning us to improve us. And then when he improves us, we get to a certain status in our spirit. God's just not going to let somebody come in and, and, and tear it down and break it apart. We have to have our feet on solid ground, and we're not going to move. I shall not, I shall not be moved. I'll be like a tree planted by the river of living water. Help me to do it, Lord. You know, God has purpose in how he farms us, if you will. Plows were pulled by oxen, by camels sometimes. People don't know about that. You always, th always think about oxen, right? But they sometimes had the camels doing it. Sometimes donkeys. But never by more than a pair of animals. The plow demanded the farmer's attention, his constant attention. You can't look away from the plow. And we see prophetic teaching in that. You got to keep your hands on the plow and be attentive. And those who take their hands off and their eyes off are considered unfit. This is what God calls us when we don't attain, when we're not diligent, not diligently seeking him. That means our hands have left the plow. Our eyes are off the road. Eyes off the road mean plow off the road. And you're going to be plowing somewhere you shouldn't be plowing. My God. So God wants us to stay attentive, and only a careless man would look away. Jesus used this example uh, of one not fit, right, in Luke 9, uh, verse 62. Once the early rains came uh, during the farming process, the ground could be broken up because it was wet and loose. And the farmer tilled the hard-to-reach places with a mattock, which looked like a big axe with two heads on it, a pickaxe. It was broad and, uh, and had blades. And uh, some were put on a long stick. You call it a garden hoe, H-O-E, amen. Sometimes a farmer would uh, plow his field twice, do a crisscross kind of direction, just to make sure everything got out of there that shouldn't be there. We need to mimic the diligence of this process in our Bible meditations. We come to a scripture that's kind of, you know, pricking us. Don't, don't pass by and then look for the glorious, oh, we're all getting a blessing. And the, uh, the Bible has a lot of if-then statements. If, then. If this condition happens, then that will happen. We skip over the if and go to the then my God, there's a whole lot of then saints. We need a complete thought. We need if then. Thank God. Then you won't have these people with this sloppy agape, my God, and this greasy grace that's out here. My God, my God. We got to have the, the, the diligence of a heavenly-minded farmer. We need to mimic it every single day. Our prayer life should mimic it until we are cultivated completely. You know there's some little toe-up things in your life. We don't testify about that. Saints, I thank God. Thank you, praise God. I'm, I'm saved right where I stand. And uh, what if God said, no, I'm going to bring a Holy Ghost x-ray now and make people say what they really need to say. Oh, the other night, yeah, I was trying to fornicate. Yes, I was. Mm -hmm, he looked it fine. Yes, he was. No, they ain't, they're not going to say all that part. No, they're not going to say all that part. Oh, she was fine. Oh, I got her number. I got the digits, bro. Yes, I did. Oh, 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 pray my strength in the Lord. All right, now. 
No, they're not going to testify of all that. They're going to try to find the glorious part, but God is trying to instill in us a one-track kind of mind. That sounds negative because when people one-track, they can't think about something else, you know. But we need a one-track mind, and we need to be cross-eyed. Amen. <laughs> cross-eyed saints. Got the cross in their vision. Hey, I'm keeping my eye on the cross and what it means. Hallelujah. Yes, I'm one track, man. And the one track is leading up to the holy hill where God is. Amen. The narrow way. That's what I need. We need one track minded cross eyed folk. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And, 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 and sometimes when there's not enough faith all around you, you need to have a big butt. Oh, uh, the devil said this, but God said this. Hallelujah, anyhow. So, yes, we need some cross-eyed, one-track-minded, big-butt folk. Know that sound cringy, but that's the truth. <laughs> Hallelujah, anyhow. Uh, let's look at what the farmers did. They had uh, a yoke of oxen, which was a pair of oxen. Uh, there was never a mismatched pair of animals at the plow. So what is God saying from 1 Kings 19? Our associations do matter, and we need to acknowledge God about all of our associations. Amen. God should be the one who's in charge of how you develop your thoughts, how you, how you develop your, your you know, interactions with others, etc., etc., Pop culture shouldn't do that. You look at the array of folk that were at the Grammys. I thank God that one of the um, Clark sisters, uh, new generation folk were there getting a Grammy. Amen. Was it Kiera? Yes. And then uh, they had some demonic folk in there, too, singing demonic songs, dressed like the devil. Two uh, cross-gender individuals, because I don't have time to go through all of those pronouns. Amen. Uh, yes, these individuals were, amen, looking the way, not how God birthed them into the world. And they were singing, you know, unholy songs and building up the devil's name. And they were applauded by Madonna. They were applauded and encouraged by Beyonce and others who were there to encourage the move of Satan. Beyonce has even said as she got in to her act, you know, scantily clad with all her poom poom paying out and a glazed ham showing to the world. Uh, I, I thank God for keeping me this and that and other thing. Uh, they have a testimony for the Lord, but they are exemplifying what their fruit is really all about. God said, by your fruit, my God, I'm going to know you. That's what he said. And God is looking for fruit. I want to be a fruit driven church. What fruit, what, in other words, what effects do we want to happen? What, what is the end result? What are we looking for at the end? You know, because people like to live for right now. But what is, what is your right now going to cause you to end up being? Amen. They have that in philosophy when I was taking that and how you think. There's some folk that just live for right here and right now. That's good. But you also have to think about what your here and right now uh, is going to cause. So we always have our mind where Jesus is at the right hand of the throne of God. That's the end result. And all in between, we got to let the Holy Ghost get us there. Amen. 
So your flesh might be saying, oh, it's good right here and right now. Let's just do this here and right now. That's a long ways off. We're not in heaven yet. We got to enjoy ourselves. God gave us all things to enjoy. We're just misusing the scriptures. My God. God is saying, amen, holiness without will what? No man see the Lord. That's the real truth. And if you want to get up there where Jesus is, you better, amen, have all your steps ordered by the Lord all the way up there. Amen. And in all thy ways, what? Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Amen. Thank God. All of us are different. All of us have, you know, proclivities and giftings and such. God knew that. And he has a great variety of crops that he raises in the natural and in the church in the spiritual according to the mission and vision that he gave for each person and collectively together as the church of Christ. These seedlings are the ministry instructions that will bring the harvest approved by God. God is instilling in us a seed of faith. And in that seed, there is going to be DNA. The DNA, amen, deoxyribonucleic acid, uh, so God has instructions. He has codes, and uh, those are instructions. You know what? Uh, geneticists call them what? Instructions. Isn't that something? And instructions are given by the Creator. The Creator gave us instructions from the smallest mitochondria in our body that helps us to have metabolism all the way to the big body that you see where all the parts are doing what they need to do. God is in control from the most minute detail of each atom all the way to the big universe. We serve a meticulous God, and God needs us to be meticulous about what we're thinking and about what we're doing. The Holy Ghost has to be allowed in there. When we get to our little, amen, weak thing, we need to scream and get away. If we have to leave our room and say, God, help me in Jesus' name or something, God needs to show us how to not fall, pray, how to not be easily tripped up, easily beset. My God, God is coming back, and we got to stop these easily beset situations in our life and let the Holy Ghost come in. Let the Holy Ghost do what he came to do. Somebody bless the Lord. Oh, I thank you, Lord. The scripture said, the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Romans 8.26. That is, uh, those words cannot be put into our words. And, and many times we do not have the words to pray, but we are praying anyway. Amen. And it is the entire life that is behind the words spoken or the groanings that makes prayer effective. We have such thing as travailing in prayer. Women should know about travailing, trying to birth somebody into the world. Travailing, my God. The Holy Spirit communicates the burden of the Lord, making it an intense, intimate experience. See, people don't realize God doesn't have genitals like that. We say our father, immediately we're thinking about the earth kind of man. 
But amen. I'm glad God has vernacular a certain way to help us have an understanding. That doesn't mean we're supposed to diminish women. In God's uh, likeness did he create us, male and female. We don't call God a woman. The scripture had us calling it from a more masculine kind of vernacular for a reason. Thank God. Who was created first out of the dust? Adam. Amen. And then a woman came from him. And now, because of women, all the men could come from that. Amen. Thank God. And so God doesn't have genitals. The Father and the Holy Ghost doesn't have genitals, right? But who did when he came to the earth as a man? Jesus. Jesus had to come as a man. Amen. Because he's going to, amen, now be the what? Second Adam. Amen. The first one messed up. God couldn't come as a woman. He had to come as a man. Man was the one that did it. He came as a man to fix things. Amen. Thank God. And, and when you women get picked on, amen, sometimes you could just say, well, God had to uh, bring a man to help fix what the man caused. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyhow, he didn't bring a woman down here to do it. Amen. He, a man got to get it right the second time. And the only way we're going to get it right the second time is have God come himself. Because he can't trust us down here. We're born and shaped in what? Iniquity. Jesus had to be born through a virgin, not through the blood of a man. Man's blood became tainted by sin. So, no, we don't need a man. The Holy Ghost came. Amen. And fixed her womb to do what it needed to do. Heaven's sea got in there. Without the uh, earthly intimacy needed, God did it. It was a spiritual thing. And boom, pregnant, my God. And Jesus came without sin. We had to have a man, God, to come without sin to bring us from earth to glory. We need Jesus, the God-man, the bridge between earth and glory. Hallelujah. And that's who we connect with when we're travailing in prayer. Mary travailed and had Jesus. My God, they didn't barely have a place to lay his head. They had to go in an animal cave and put him in the feeding trough, in the manger. My God. But the Holy Ghost, amen, communicated everything so that the burden of the Lord could come to fruition. And God made the experience happen according to his word that he placed in the prophets that he created. Thank God. So I thank God, amen, that we could have the experience we need to have in prayer as we couple ourselves with the power of God. God gives us holy uh, wisdom from heaven, and we gain an understanding, and we have to move in the Holy Spirit. And sometimes he'll give us a heavenly language in the prayer, and we're travailing, and amen. We're outside of ourselves and in the Spirit, and God begins to birth things from earth to glory. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and from heaven down to earth, amen, back and forth, a bidirectional communication. It's a communication. It's a, it's a conversation, amen, and we got to let God have a word in, and amen. Sometimes, amen, he'll have us go to a quiet spot where we're not saying a word, but he's yet feeding our spirit. 
You got to get to that quiet moment. Uh, Andre Crouch may be the only one I know that wrote about the quiet times. It might have been some others, but he had that song way back in the day, Quiet Times, Quiet Times. That's when the Lord is speaking to me and I to him. And we're not, I'm not uttering a word, but the Holy Ghost is speaking to my spirit, Quiet Times. We need that kind of thing. And sometimes we just hum a little bit, moan a little bit. Sometimes servants have to moan. In the old days, they had the old saints saying, sometimes you got to moan. I don't hear young folks today moaning too much. But everybody ready to party. Sometimes you need to sit down, be quiet, amen, sit still, and hear what thus saith the Lord. It's not always going to be beats and uh, rhythms and harmonies and such, but God's going to have the stillness. Watch how hard it is to be quiet. That's hard to keep that going. <laughs> we want to say something, don't we? We want to shake the tambourine. We want to clap our hands. We want to say something. But the Holy Ghost will have you for hours. Just quiet. Real quiet. I don't think we really know what quiet is because we, we will hear airplanes. We will, we will hear sirens. We will hear people next door hollering and screaming and fussing. My God, screaming and cussing. Somebody breaking a bottle out there, somebody screeching tires, somebody doing something. We will hear the refrigerator making its noise. We will hear our phone, bzz, bzz, up, just quiet, just turn it off. You know, <laughs> sometimes you got to shut it off, shut the world out. How do you say shut in and shut the world out? We don't have enough of that, mother. We're going to bring it back in. Shut in and shut the world out. My God, we got the travail in prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Availeth much, James 5. See, when this happens, we will never spiritualize fleshly activities. People like doing that today, putting a godly label on a work of the flesh. But we will always put the flesh to work as we submit its works according to every word that proceedeth from where? Out of the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4. There was a famous preacher years ago uh, in the state of Georgia uh, who had many uh, very unusual expressions. One of them was this, quote, when a man prays for a corn crop, God expects him to say amen with gardening and farming tools, end quote. You get it? The amen is not some spooky, spooky spiritual thing. Oh, God's getting ready to do it. He's going to do it in a minute. No, he said, go buy some farming tools. He's going to show you how to get it done. Amen. <laughs> he will make the ground do what it needs to do. We still trust God. We trust God in the hospital, don't we, Elder Gwen? I don't care what the doctor do and say and what he learned. It's up to God to help that body respond. Amen. If that body don't respond, all of that learning you did, paid all that money for college and such, not going to mean a thing. My God, the body has to what? Respond. We want it to respond correctly. And this is what we want. We want the Holy Ghost to do what he came to do. When we come out of prayer, it should be what God has said. What has God said? Not what earthly wisdom we have picked up, what poetic license we are using to uh, explain away why we're doing what we're doing. God is still working on me. No, stop. We got to stop these disclaimers, these fleshly disclaimers. Let God come in and change and rearrange. When you really see God, it'll make you want to shut up and sit down. 
Too many people standing up with this posture like they know God so much. You really knew God. You will say like the apostles, some of them said, I am a man of foul lips. Be like Isaiah, my God. Take the coals and purge that tongue. Ah, we need God to come in and do some new things. My God. You can't just, you know, get on your knees and pray for something in some pious religious kind of style, right? God is going to put you to work. Men ought to always pray and not faint. In other words, not give up. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Keep asking. Don't just sit around sulking. Sometimes we do that. The Holy Spirit-inspired life of prayer is what God is fashioning here at the realm. We need, amen, to learn how the Spirit will have us pray. He puts his attributes on display for the world through us, and we have to obey the commandments of God. Think about Hosea, the scripture I read. Amen. That's kind of going towards the tail end of his story. But Hosea had to minister in northern Israel, right? And uh, it was a time when folks, uh, they knew a lot. They had a lot. They were blessed. But their, their hearts were uh, separated from God. They were disobedient in their listening in the land of Ephraim, which was going to be called R Jerusalem. Uh, and uh, his contemporaries were there in the south in Judah doing some of the same thing, these other prophets. But looking at Hosea, didn't he have a peculiar ministry? God told him now he's got to mimic what he's going through with Israel. Because Israel is worshiping other small g gods. And this is another reason why God had to come and say heavenly father. Because all them little gods they were worshiping were mostly women. Asherah. Mostly all goddesses. Then God said, I'm the heavenly father. Amen. <laughs> he came different. God likes coming different. God likes being iconoclastic. God likes being countercultural. God likes changing for the better. When he comes, you're going to know who he is. You're going to see him as he, as he really is. He's different. I thank God. Sometimes I get an image of Jesus when he was a kid. You know, he looked different from his siblings. He didn't have the same uh, earthly DNA like the, like the siblings had. Joseph and Mary had a certain skin tone and everything. But Jesus, amen. I think he might have been the dark sheep of the family. Thank God. <laughs> Run with that however you will. <laughs> He's a shepherd. He, he knows how sheep work because he was one. Amen. And he was treated as the dog sheep. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anyhow. And if you look in the Bible, it gives him attributes that make me feel like, yes, he had an afro uh, of wool. We got woolly hair. Oh, hallelujah. Anyhow. So, yeah, Jesus has some darker tone, I think. Amen. And, 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 and he was different like that. Look at Jesus. Oh, hallelujah, God. Men, amen, ought to always pray and not faint. Uh, we, we got to look for who Jesus really is and what he is really saying. He'll give us something different to say, something different to do. We're so hooked on carbon copies. Got to be like everybody else. If we're not like everybody else or being better at being like everybody else, then we lost. But God is saying, no, you got to be different. I've given you a peculiar ministry. I've given you a peculiar calling. I have, given, I have called you, and you are peculiar people. In other words, you are unique. 
each and every one of us is unique. I bet you nobody's thumbprint looked like yours. They said, no, you cannot match somebody's fingerprint with somebody else. Everybody has a peculiar fingerprint. Even the retina in your eye has a peculiar pattern that nobody else has. Now they got the retina scans because nobody has your retina. Amen. Thank God. We got to look at God for who he is. He likes this peculiar uniqueness. Let him call you. It's not going to be familiar. Let him call you. Thank God. The, uh, the late Oswald Chambers said this, the revelation of our spiritual standing is what we ask in prayer. Sometimes what we ask is an insult to God. We ask with our eyes on the possibilities or on ourselves instead of having them on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is into difference. He's going to make a difference in your life. He was different. You're going to be different. We can only have a travailing level of prayer when we seek to be privy to God's pain, seeing sin for what it really is. We usually want to lay our burdens down, and that's good, but it is high time that we seek to take on God's burden, allowing God to be clothed with us, even more than us being clothed by him. If God is clothed with us, he will be our resident sharing our pain as we share his. That is when true revival can be birthed. The pursuit of true uh, Holy Spirit birthing kind of revival in today's culture seems to be an extinct afterthought. People are using terms like post-Christian society. And churches tend to seek after pleasure instead of God's sin-destroying will that is uh, uh, best realized in prayerful consecration. It is in the midst of such perplexing developments that we tend to wrestle with our own underdeveloped prayer personalities instead of against sin. The devil wants us to redefine what sin is and make it palatable and tolerable, make us sympathize with it. My God, but God has come that we call it like a TIS is. It's sin. It's wickedness. Hallelujah. Our individual prayer personalities cannot uh, be realized until we are what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And he's got to enable us to realize our spiritual giftings based on Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. That's where the giftings are, you know, defined. Uh, God reveals his purpose in and through us. He's got to work through us as we are subject to his presence in our lives. We are supposed to examine ourselves and make our personal mission and personal vision what God intended for them to be. Remember when we, are at, we were at our other location, God used me, led me, that we will write personal uh, mission and vision statements. It enables you to say no, because you can't say yes to everything, can you? Based on the Lord's uh, uh, mission and vision for my life, I'm going to have to say no. Amen. Otherwise, you'll be going everywhere, just beating everybody's drum, just going crazy. Can't do it. You have to learn to say, as Lisa taught me, yeah, no. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> Our personal prayer life and divinely directed motivation for living affects and is affected by our corporate prayer life. What we do in church together in prayer. 
that's going to help make us become molded and made into God's image the way he intended. He blesses the family of God that each member will be, you know, made the way they ought to be made so they can rightly fit together. You don't know how to fit unless you come in to be fitted. You can't be fitted if you're outside with your hand off the plow. God is going to say you're what? Unfit. You got to be in it to win it, they used to say, right, mother? <laughs> Spiritual gifts are for the uh, edification and maturity of the body of Christ, not just our personal selves. The individual is edified and matures as he or she facilitates the developmental progress in the church that their gift was meant to cultivate. You got to be in here to get it working. Luke 18 gives us practical ideas, and I'm chopping it down in in a concise way, uh, ways to think that will help us examine our personal prayer lives. Consider these four prayer types, because God is letting me prophetically plant now this uh, spiritual ideology, preparing us for our 21 days of prayer and consecration. Uh, Consider Luke 18, verses 1 through 8 talking about this confident prayer verses 9 through 17 arrogant prayer verses 18 through 34 ignorant prayer verses 35 through 43 persistent prayer what's confident prayer if an unjust judge helps a poor widow how much uh, more will a loving father in heaven meet the needs of his dear children here on earth we have open access into his treasury, don't we? Romans 5, 2 said that. And can claim his gracious promises, can't we? Luke 11 said that. So we ought to pray with faith and confidence. Uh, no need to argue, just come. Amen? Confident prayer. And what about arrogant prayer? What's that? True prayer should humble us and make us love others more. We don't come out of the prayer ready to cut somebody's head off, no. I don't know what kind of prayer that was. That was a demonic prayer, Lord Jesus. We should be like children coming to a father and not like attorneys bringing an indictment. Amen. If prayer doesn't bless the one praying, guess what? It's not going to help anybody else. (laughs) What's ignorant prayer? Although the young man in the scripture had many good qualities, one of them uh, was not spiritual understanding. He did not really see himself, Jesus, or the peril he was in because of his riches, the rich young ruler. The, uh, the publican went away justified in verse 14, uh, while the young man went away sorrowful in verse 23. You know what? What happens at the close of our prayers my God, we should think about that. What happens at the close of our prayers? Are we going away sorrowful? Lord, I'm not trying to do all that. And then we, we are setting ourselves up for outer darkness where, where there will be, you know, weeping and what? Gnashing of teeth. Or will we go away justified? Came humbly and allow God to fix us and uh, make us over? We need that. You're ignorant when you want to just stay in your flesh. And just go on your merry but eternally uh, not so merry way. My God, we got to look at where we're headed. What is this thing going to do? Where is it going to carry me? You see, 
that's what we need to think about. What is persistent prayer? The blind man was not to be stopped. He was in the scripture trying to get his blessing from Jesus. He had his great opportunity and he would not let it pass. Our Lord stopped, looked, listened, and healed him. Jesus is not too busy to hear us. Just be sure you are sincere when you pray. Amen. Prayer helps you to stay right as we are closing, to experience a true revival as birthed by the Holy Ghost in today's society. We need the ancient urgency of Hosea's day, where a life of prayerful uh, consecration was to be preferred over the tolerance of sinful pleasures. God's will has not changed as he demands that our lives serve as landmarks of holy confidence. That's why we're here on this earth, to shine as that, right? Landmarks of what? Holy confidence, not sinful confidence. There's a such thing as uh, courage being good. God said, have what? Good courage, because there's an unholy courage. People just brave to be demonically dumb, you know? But God wants us to have the wisdom of heaven. We need to have the humility of heaven. We need to have the spiritual insight from God's spirit of wisdom and heavenly persistence in our prayers. God longs to share his burden for sin while his people called after his name in today's world often long to keep sin as a burden. That's a shame. If we sincerely want heaven's best, then we must be willing to relinquish the earthly desires that are commonly placed before such a godly motive. God has given me this um, picture of spiritual coals of the church that are ignited by effectual, fervent congregational prayer. Hot coals versus new coals and the challenge of maintaining a steady simmer. When you're having a barbecue, those black coals, you know, they're not lit yet. You put all the charcoal lighter fluid on there, light them. You're supposed to keep them in a pile first. Light them, let them all get close together and heated, and they start getting heated, and the flames start coming in there. And soon you'll see a little ash forming. That means they're really, really hot on the inside. And then we could spread them out a little bit, right? And sometimes you may need later on to make the fire get bigger, and then we'll add new coals and let them get heated by the heat that's already on the other ones. The other ones are so hot, you don't even need anything else. <laughs> you just put the coals on there, and they get heated up, flamed up. My God. And sometimes if the coals that have been there a while may need a little more Holy Ghost, you put a little more fluid on there and let the fire get a little heated. And the new ones have enough flame now. They could get heated too. We got to think about it like that. Are we hot for the Lord? My God, but nobody don't make uh, clothing like that. I'm hot for the Lord and have it on the back of your pants. We don't want that. That's not good. That's cringy. Thank God, but we got to think spiritually here. Are we hot? Are we from the flame of God? Is God's flame of fire in us? Dancing upon our heads as tongues of flames of fire, like in the upper room experience, God's presence is a fiery presence. It's burning up what shouldn't be there. 
And sometimes we want to extinguish him at the door. I heard you at the door, Lord. That's why I got my extinguisher ready. We don't need all that hot flame up in here. Let's let it stay as it is. If it ain't broke, let's not fix it. But God's saying, you are broke. <laughs> my God, you are sick and in need of the Savior. God wants to come in and get the fire going and let it simmer. Hallelujah. Think about that as we are praying. Father God, please reveal the significance of maintaining our corporate prayer life. We need you, Jesus. We need the wisdom of heaven. Send the Holy Spirit in overflowing baptismal portion as the former rain, coming with a deluge from heaven. Feed the germination of fertile seeds. That former rain is going to feed the germination of the fertile seeds. There are seeds you placed in us, and they are fertile, but they need the water from heaven. And then that's going to lead to a continued cycle of further planting. Help us, Father God, that cycle of getting the weeds out before they choke the roots. False teaching trying to come in. People trying to direct us where you haven't directed us. Hence, you leading us to sing that hymn in our opening prayer. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. Help us to, God, live in such a way in the presence of God that there will be an ever-glowing flame that ignites a holy motivation within us that will birth true revival unto an overflowing effectiveness. That's what we need here and now, Lord. So help us, God, to commit to it after submitting to it. Help us, Father, to submit, to commit all to your holy will. In Jesus' matchless name, every part of our being, submitted and committed, bless us, God, to be delivered from anything that's considered old and will not help us to move forward. You're able, God, in Jesus' matchless name. We thank you and give you the glory. We give you the honor. Hallelujah. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www.roagape.org. We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you. Thank you.